Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This message was given by Michael Yu at our Brewagoon campus. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Well, good evening to you all, and good to see you all here. And we survived another camp. Yes, that was fantastic. Yes, we had an amazing camp. Uh, if you haven't heard already, we had a good one. What can we say? The God was there. He blessed us. You know, five of our young ones gave their life to God for the first time. And we got countless others. Yeah, praise God for that. And we got countless others, countless others who are wanting to know more about baptism and want to be baptized. So I know the announcement hasn't gone out and I'm supposed to hold this in, but how can you hold these kind of news in, right? You've got to share these good news, right? So on the third week of term for youth, we're going to have a baptismal service on a Friday night, right? Because we are praying that all the ones who said, yes, we want to follow up, we want to know more about, we are praying, and I pray that you will pray with us, that they will follow through, and there'll be some around 20-odd kids who will want to be baptized. So we want that to happen. Come on. Right? We want that to happen. So we, I'm excited, I don't know about you guys, but I'm actually excited about this. And this topic excites me actually, because prayer is something dear to my heart. And over the years that I've journeyed with the Lord, prayer has actually transformed my life. And I do cherish the times that I spend with him in prayer. But like all of us, if you ask me the question, how often do you pray, my answer would be not as often as I'd like to, or not as often as I should. And, you know, we all struggle with prayer. Uh, For some of us, it might be, I don't have enough time. Okay, others feel like, I know, when I first started praying, it felt weird. It felt weird talking to myself, right? And... At times, I didn't know what to pray for or even how to pray. And I remember Yonggi Choi, right, saying when he, when he first came to know about prayer and when he was about to pray, he didn't know how to do it. So he actually utilized the Buddhist monk's chants, right? So he used to pray beating on this, this little bowl thing that they have. And it was just beating, keeping up rhythm, and he used to pray. For me, when I first started praying, it was like I have my wish list, right? God, here's my wish list. And, um, but the amazing thing is over time, as I came to understand about prayer and conversing with God, because that's what prayer is, isn't it? Communicating with God, it has changed. And I'm sure that God's glad that it's changed as well. So tonight I want to share with you some of the things that I've learned about prayer and my personal experiences in prayer and maybe encourage you to go deeper in prayer as well. Because the fact is that prayer is central to Christian faith. And for me, it has been the main way that I have experienced deep change in myself through the power of God working in me in those times of prayer and the experience of prayer and answered prayer and what we feel like, non-answered prayer, that has shaped and molded me. So let's have a look at the power of earnest prayer in our lives, 
in the context of our series, by my spirit, right, by my spirit. So what does the power of earnest prayer look like when we pray by his spirit? So our text is Acts 12, 1 to 17. It's a, it's a longish text. If you've got your phones, if you've got your hard copy paper, copy, some of you might know these things, right? Um, Open up to Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 17. I'm going to duck off, make a cup of tea, and then come back. Right? No, I'm not. Actually, Rachel's going to read it for us. Thank you. A reading from Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 17. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial... Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Get up, quick, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Rope your cloak round you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. Amen. Thank you, Rachel. Here's a beautiful narrative where Peter is miraculously released from prison. And this is the second of three narratives that we find in the book of Acts. In chapter 5, we see apostles being rescued from prison. And Peter is one of them. And then we have this narrative. And further along in the book, uh, in chapter 16, we see Paul and Silas who are released from prison once again by the hand of God. 
Now, Luke has a particular interest in prayer throughout his two-volume work of Luke and Acts. And in this context, prayer is linked to the protection of the gospel messengers, in this case, the apostles, and the progress of the gospel. So in verse 24 of this chapter, as the narrative ends and as Herod dies, we are left with these words, but the word of God continued to spread and flourish. The hand of God that helped Peter break free from his prison, what was the result of that? That the word of God continued to spread and flourish. And I hope that we might be able to take this text and see where it fits in our lives so that the word of God will continue to spread and flourish through you and me today. So it's Passover, and Herod Agrippa I was gaining favor with the Jews after executing James, brother of John. Do you remember the two brothers who came to Jesus and said, I want to sit at your right and I want to sit on the left, right? So it's one of his brothers, James, has been executed. And so Herod thinks it's a good idea So he captures Peter and puts him in prison so that he can execute him after the Passover. And it was during the festival of unleavened bread that this miracle takes place. Now, Herod must have heard about Peter and his houdininess, right? So that he has four by four, 16 guards guarding him. Now, it's an impossibility. Unless they colluded, there's no way that he could escape from prison. But there is a strong parallel with the Exodus narrative. In chapter 12 of Exodus, the first Passover, the first Passover that God's people was delivered from the land of slavery, of bondage and change, and they are freed from oppression of these Egyptians. When they cross over the Red Sea, they are truly free, free from the Egyptians. And God puts in place this festival of unleavened bread to help them remember how and who delivered them out of Egypt. And it is this time that Peter, just so happens, is delivered from his prison out, is released from his chains. Each year, they were to celebrate Passover and then a week of festival of unleavened bread. And Peter is released by the hand of God during this time. A timely reminder for his children, not only of the Exodus narrative, but what was done centuries later when the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was offered as the Passover lamb And it was during this time of unleavened bread that he broke the chains of death and rose again. Once again, it is at this time when the church was interceding for Peter, praying on his behalf for his release, that God brings him out of his prison. A timely reminder for us all 
in the times of persecution, when the church might have felt, okay, this is the second martyr has been done. James is dead, right? Peter is captured. They might be a bit demoralized. And in this time, God reminds them. God reminds them by releasing Peter. And I want to focus on verse 5. Peter was kept in prison, and so the church was earnestly praying for him. I want to take three points out of this prayer and the outcome of prayer from this passage. Firstly, when we come before God in prayer, we need to embrace the posture of God. All right, so when Luke records that they were praying earnestly, the Greek word used here is actinos, means to be stretched out at full stretch, prostrate. So Luke uses this exact word once before in the book of Luke in chapter 22 when he uses this adverb to the praying of Jesus in Gethsemane. When he fell face down before the Father praying in anguish, here he, we see the posture of Jesus, his heart and his attitude, not his physical demeanor, but his heart and his attitude in prayer as he approaches God, one of humility towards God. I don't know about you, but many times I've approached God as a vending machine. I would pray my coins into the vending machine. I would even fill up the vending machine with all the possibilities of the outcome that I would like this vending machine to deliver. I even, but when it didn't deliver what I wanted, when it didn't, I would kick it, shake it, maybe press the different buttons and hoping that it would deliver something that I wanted. But in the end, when he didn't, I would say, well, this is out of order. I don't know about you, but I have approached prayer with that heart and that attitude. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't coming. I had this experience a couple of years ago when attending a conference. I was praying and asking God if this was all that he had in store for me because I gained a lot from that conference and it was coming to a close when I sensed his spirit telling me to go and ask the speaker to be my mentor. Now, let me put it into context. This person I have never met before. He doesn't know who I am. I don't really know who he is. But there was a strong sense in my heart to go and ask him. So I did any, any good Christian would do. I gave God every reason under the sun why this would not work. I said, he's too busy. I live in Perth. We're, we're miles apart. Time, time differences is just not going to work. But the sense was so strong in obedience. I went over to him and tried to get the words out. But he came out in a mess, you know, he was like Moses with faltering lips, and he was like, bleh. <laughs> and I, I swear, if there was a shovel, I would like to have just dug a hole and hid myself. And I was, the facial expression, I could still remember, it was like he's been hit with a wet fish. <laughs> and like, stum mullet is going, and all he said was, mentor. 
And I'm, th- I'm hearing mental. It's like, I'm going, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I told you it's not going to work out good. You know, thank you very much. I feel like an absolute idiot now. You know, I'm feeling sorry for myself there. Then to my excitement, or should I say to my horror, he turns around and says, yes. Now, fast forward to today, and that relationship's been going for two years. And I've had so much insight and so much growth through the two mentors that I have. Now, here's a bonus for tonight. I'm going to give you three bonuses, value added to the message, right? Here's bonus number one. If you don't have a mentor, young adults, grab a mentor. I've been pressing hard for this. I've been, I've been telling our young adult leaders, go find someone, go find someone. It's because God has used my mentors to shape and mold me, speak in my life, all right? To say the hard things, to say the things that sometimes I don't like to hear. I don't want to hear, especially from, I know my wife's here, but especially from my wife. But the mentors have stretched me and have, I know God's been using them. So that's a value add. Anyway, coming back to the point. In prayer, we need to be humble before God. We cannot go into prayer with an attitude, but the amazing thing is when we do go into prayer with an attitude, over time God changes our heart, right? He doesn't reject us. He doesn't reject the prayers, but he actually teaches us in that space. You know, we need to approach God with humility and accept what he says with humility as well. Remember that prayer is communication. It's to and from him. But sometimes what, what I received, I did not like. Put me out of my comfort zone. You're like, how dare you, God, take me out of my comfort zone. I like my little comfort zone, right? I feel comfortable in there. But the posture of God is with humility. We go in with humility. We accept it with humility. And as we pray, we get to enjoy the will of God. And this is my second point. As we pray in humility, we get to enjoy the will of God. Right? See, as we pray, our thoughts and our ways changes. He humbles us. Our prayers changes to God's will and his ways, his thoughts. Even though I might come to my vending machine in grace over time, my will is transformed to his will for me. And Jesus showed us in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke 22 the right way of approaching. You know, he... He knelt down, he prayed, he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Not yet, not my will, but your will be done. You know, recently we received news that the house that we're living in, the rental, um, the owner put it on the market. But we knew that, or we had an inkling that the owner might have been in financial difficulty because there was other things that was happening. So I went to my vending machine and lamented. Like, oh, Lord, you know how difficult it is to move a house? The packing of the boxes. Have you seen my theology books? 
how many books I have to pack, and do you know how heavy the piano is? When I was younger, I could lift it, but not anymore, right? Feeling sorry for myself, and then I hear Rachel praying, and she's going... Lord, I don't know what the situation the owner is in, but I pray for their financial situation and reason for selling. So I eat my humble pie, and we pray together. Now, this is my second bonus. Married couples pray together. Yes, we need our times of praying separately, but there is gold and rich harvest to be had when you come together and pray together for the things of God, right? For those who are dating, pray together, right? Don't just play games. Don't just send messages. Come together and pray together, right? Connect leaders, come together and pray together, right? That's my second bonus for tonight. No fees for that one. Okay, so our prayer over time that the house was on the market went something like this. Lord, we don't know the situation of the owners, but you know, you know our situation, you know their situation, and we pray that the potential buyer would know the situation of the house because there's some leaks and there's a few things that needs to be fixed up, right? So we don't want the, we don't want the, the potential buyer to be short-shafted, right? So we're praying. And as much as, as much as we have been blessed by the house that you have provided, we pray that the new owners will be blessed by the house that they will come to own. Last week, the house was under contract, and this week, on Thursday, found out that the house was sold. And the new owners came with a team of building inspectors and pest control and all these people wanted to come and do the final checks of the house before they actually signed on the dotted line. And Rachel was home and bless her, for whatever reason, she was prompted to provide refreshments for this team that had come. So she asked them, would you like coffee, refreshments? And they said yes. And as she was making coffee, the owner's friend, because the owner... The new owner uh, could not come, so the owner's friend came. And she asked, Rachel, are you a Christian? And I'm thinking, I'm listening to this story, and I'm going, what gave it away? Was it the crosses, or was it the Bible that we'd laid out before you whenever home inspection was on? Or is it the bookcases of theology books? I don't know, everybody's got those at home, don't they? I'm going, so what gave it away? Anyway, so Rachel says, yes, I'm a Christian. And she said, do you know the new owners are Christians too? And guess what? Her son-in-law is a youth pastor. And Rachel goes, no, my husband's a youth pastor. They might know each other. And bless the Lord, we do. We do know one another. Right, I'm going to cut the story there because it can go on. Right? We do know one another. But God took my lament and grumble, my self-centeredness, because it was all about me, right? He led it in accordance to his will, and through the whole process, Rachel and I have been truly blessed by enjoying the will of God for us. 
See, the whole process, God wanted to bless us, and we have been blessed. The, own, the previous owner has been blessed because they were, they've been trying to sell their house for years, from what I know. And I know the person who's coming into the house will be blessed because Rachel and I have been praying over the house for the person who's coming in. And it might be the youth pastor and his family that might be coming in. Who knows? So as we earnestly pray and we, we humble ourselves before God, right, and we enjoy the will of God for us because our prayer comes in tune with his will, right? We might bring things to the table, but in the end, as we pray and as he, we, and we commune with God, it is his will that is placed on our hearts. And as we do this, we experience the power of God. Right, that's my third point, that we experience the power of God. Now, the church earnestly prayed for Peter, and during this time, the festival of unleavened bread, right, remembering the mighty hand of God, delivering the people, from, people of Israel from the oppression and slavery of the Egyptians. And as they were praying for release of Peter from his prison, God delivers them from that impossible situation by his mighty hand. As he led Israel out of Egypt with his mighty hand, he did so with Peter. He made the way. The narrative says the doors flung open, the chains came, the doors flung open, and he was going through, he's going, whoa, this is cool. Then he wakes up and he goes, actually, this has actually happened. Think about the, the Israelites, as they're coming out, they're hemmed in. They're in this situation. There's Red Sea. There's Egyptians coming. And they're going, there's these cliffs there. And they're going, we are hemmed in. We are going to die. I wish I was back in Egypt to die. At least there's some burial ground there. They look to the sky and they pray. And God makes the way for them to go. You know, I would have been about 14, 15 when I was first introduced to pornography. Now, I don't remember quite who, but I do remember it was someone's 18th. And later that night, you know, that good old VHS tape came out. And I'll tell you what. That is nothing compared to what is shown on, on our screens at MA15+. Plus. Over the years, not only sexual temptation, but temptation in my life was there, whether it was at school or at work, at church, even in conversation, innuendo comments, it was just all around. And today in this over-sexualized world that we live in, I really feel for you young ones because it's available to you 24-7 and the temptation is so great It was by the grace of God 
that I have been freed from those temptations. Well, the temptations are still there, right? Those temptations don't go away. Still there. But it is by the grace of God that I am able to overcome those temptations. I can tell you now, it was not in my own strength or my ways that the struggle was overcome, but on my knees. Humbly acknowledging that I cannot, but that he can. That I truly want to enjoy the will and the plan that God had for me in my life. I sought after his power and his strength. And every time I was tempted, I would pray, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I cannot, but you can. Give me strength. So that I can overcome. Paul tells us in Romans 13 that we are to put aside the deeds of darkness, put on the armor of light. And he continues and he shows us the way to conquer sin is by being clothed with the Lord Jesus. And in our struggles against sin, it doesn't matter if it's sexual sin or any sin we can choose to fight in our own strength or we can surrender our will to God and rely on the power of the risen Christ who lives within us and through the power of his Holy Spirit to overcome right here's my third bonus for the night memorize scripture Memorize scripture. When you've got the brains, I'll tell you what. My pastors used to tell me, and my dad used to tell me, memorize scripture when you're young. Because when you get old, your brain don't function as well. It kind of leaks, right? It doesn't retain as much as well. I see a lot of nods over there. It doesn't retain as much, right? And like... One of my child and I had, we want to memorize this verse, right? So she memorizes it in two go. And then it's like, I'm spending half of the morning, I'm going, what was that? What was that? What was that? And it takes that much longer. But when you're young, memorize scripture, because what I did then actually came back to help me overcome. When Jesus was tempted in the desert, he overcame temptation of Satan by the word of God. We really need to know our scripture and know it well, right? Jesus is the Logos. He's the living word. We need to clothe ourselves with the living word. You know, God began to show me this verse. Every time that I was tempted in any way, He was showing me this verse. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship, act of of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will 
And when temptations come, and when those words were just recited in my head over and over, the way I viewed people, the way I viewed situation, I did not begin to see them as the world saw them, something to be had, something to be gained, something for my self-gratification. But I saw with the lens of the Father who sees those situations differently. See, it wasn't in my strength or in my power or the ways I kind of put things in place and I would overcome that. No, it's actually God started to change the way I see the world. He changed the way I saw myself. He changed the way I saw people. He transformed my life. And that came through prayer. What is holding you captive to sin? What are your struggles? And it's not only about sin, is it? It could be fear, it could be grief, it could be doubt. There's a lot of things in life that holds us captive in our own little prisons. Jesus has already died for that. And he says, you have my spirit within you to live a victorious life, a resurrected, powerful life. We no longer have to live in those prisons. God started to transform my mind, my thinking, my understanding, the value of myself, the value of others, that Christ, God's son, would die for them, for me. I'm not going to waste my life anymore chasing after these gratifications. I'd rather chase after God who's going to absolutely fulfill everything that I desire, not only one aspect of it. In closing, and before we come to communion, I just want to share for what reason by his spirit do we pray earnestly? There has to be a reason why we pray earnestly. For me, as I pray and come humbly before him, not with any agenda or my wants, but for his will to be done in my life, I feel and I know his transforming power working in my life. And the reason for that is that the word of God would spread and flourish in and through my life. See, in the end, the power of earnest prayer is not about me. It's actually about God. It's actually about God. It's not what I I can gain from my vending machine. It's actually about God. And by his grace, he invites me in to that conversation so that I may be blessed by it, that I may be transformed by it, and that others will be blessed by it as there is change in my life. As we come before God in humility, And as we accept 
with a humble heart what he says to us. As we come to know his will and as we experience his power through the Holy Spirit, may our prayers transform our life. Our prayers are there to edify and to build up the church. Our transformed lives should bring love to a world that is broken. It should bring hope to a world in despair and to bring truth to a world that is searching for answers. I pray that God will use your life, my life, that the good news will continue to spread and flourish, even when society and culture may be against us. Let me pray. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your spirit that we can come before you. In all our weaknesses, in all our faults, Lord, we come before you and you graciously, graciously accept us. And I know how bad I've been and how, how much I fall short of your glory, Lord. But by your grace, you accept me and hear my utterances, put up with my laments and but I thank you that you continue to shape and continue to mould in accordance with your will for my life, that I am truly blessed by your power working in my life. And I pray that your power will work in our lives, and especially this evening, for those who might be in a prison, whatever prison that it is, that they will come humbly before you, Lord, and just bring it before you, that they will receive the freedom that you promises through your Son. Father, we thank you that we can come before you. We thank you and we always want to hear what you have for us, even though it takes us out of our comfort zones, Lord. Where would we be without your Son, and though, you know, out of our comfort zones, Lord, that is the place where you are, and that is a good place to be. So, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that we, can, we have this thing called prayer, that we can approach you to talk, to commune with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And as we come before the Lord's table prepared before us, we're going to have a time of communion. It is a timely reminder, the freedom that we have received through the broken body and the blood shed by Jesus for us. That we no longer live in slavery because of the the encompassing truth that the resurrected Christ, the one who was raised from the dead, now lives in us. During the Last Supper, 
Jesus told his disciple that he would soon be betrayed, but he also told him that he would live again. And because I live, you will live also. Let's throw this question out to you. Are you living the full potential of life that God is wanting for you? Is there something that is holding you back to enjoy the fullness of life? When you commit that to God in this time, Jesus also promised that he would not leave us as orphans, that he would send his spirit so that we are protected, so that we're not vulnerable to the power of Satan, but the spirit dwells within us. This empowers us to overcome the temptations in our life that previously wasn't possible. So as you come to the table tonight, before you do, I want you to spend a time, a bit of a moment, just reflecting and searching your heart if there are things in your life that you want to give up to God tonight. I encourage you to do that. encourage you to do that. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329-1777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.